welcome to the Land Your Bet Sports Betting Podcast. Josh Lander here with a good friend that I have known for a really long time, actually. Someone was asking me that the, the other day that I was like, yeah, I'm having Le'Veon. Uh, I've known him. Oh, shit. I've known him since I was like less than five years old or something. So what's good, man? How you doing? Just to date ourselves. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we go way, way, way back. Um, Yeah. Doing good, man. You know, having a uh, good night and Ready to talk some football. And it's it's busy time right now for, for fantasy football. Um, I'll just call you a maniac, if that's okay. <laughs> uh, people who have spreadsheets with highlighters. That's I mean, that's not totally normal behavior, right? But that's what we're working with. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, right. We, we can ask your wife about that one later. But uh, you're, this is not nepotism. Levy's on here because he's a, a complete psychopath in a, in a really intelligent way that's actually impactful, which the impact is being good at fantasy football. Uh, and I know that. And, and it, it's funny because we were talking a little bit earlier about some of the things that you've done in the past that that were true to your one of your sort of like draft rules, which is like have confidence, yes. don't let anybody shake you. And one of the examples was you drafting Julio Jones early in a time where people still didn't really draft wide receivers in like a first or top of the second round necessarily. Uh, and you yeah. took him in a, in a season when he had Kyle Shanahan as his OC in Atlanta, right? And, and that was something that just impressed me in a way that was like, all right, he's doing his homework. This isn't magic. He's like taking the time, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's uh, we're all just doing our best with educated guesses. So just like, beef up on that education try to like learn about the things other people maybe aren't paying attention to and um yeah it's where you find an edge yeah exactly yeah that's what we're going to be talking about i think is is finding an edge so let's do it this way real quick let's let's start with just like some simple draft strategy stuff we are going to you know name some names and talk about some people that we're not going to necessarily call them sleepers but we'll call them people that you can get some value in your draft through adp and things of that nature um but just starting with some overarching stuff give me a, a few of the sort of draft strategies that you're using and, and they can be specific to this year with the pool of players that we have them as they are or, or it can just be sort of you know overarching you're going into a draft keep your mindset uh, along these lines sure sure so i think like the thing to keep in mind primarily is like value over replacement. Like if I draft a wide receiver early, what am I giving up there? And as you go through the draft, looking at your roster construction, like as you've come up with it so far, just trying to figure out um, how to maximize the value each pick along the way. And that's how you sort of stack a roster and wind up, you know, building a, a strong, a strong team. Yeah. So when, when it comes to that, though, there's there's things you need to do within that. that you, It's not like you can just come in with some rigid strategy that will play out exactly as you want it to because this is right hum, humans against humans. So Right, right, right. So, I mean, what, what you're talking about, and, and I agree, is, uh, is like having a uh, fluid draft strategy, right? Like you can't get locked on to any one player. You can't get locked on to just, I'm going zero RB this year. You know what I mean? And it... Okay, like if you, if you want to do that, fine. But what if you get to your draft day and you're like, huh, uh, none of the guys I thought were going to be in this spot are here. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So if you get locked into one strategy, you're really hamstringing yourself. If things don't go right, and uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but people are crazy and people do things in drafts you don't expect. Yeah. Uh, and I do mean like, at all and it can throw things off tremendously so you have to you have to stay um 
on your toes. You have to pay attention to what's going on in the draft also. You can't just like go on autopilot in between your picks yeah. and like hyper fixate on the one guy you really want to be there. Because right. if he's not there, you, you have to like change and adapt. And you have to pay attention to when runs are happening as well in the league, right? So like as you're going through the draft, if you start to see there's a huge quarterback run starting and it's starting earlier than you thought it would, okay, you might have to adjust. Maybe you were thinking quarterback in the fifth, sixth, seventh. Mm. Well, now you have to go, uh, I don't know. I might have to take someone in the fourth or I'm going to get no one. So you have to constantly be evaluating, reevaluating what you're looking at in front of you in the draft room. Right. Which, which is going to be a theme of what we talk about. And it, it might seem frustrating to some, which is like, here's some really solid strategy. Here's some really solid sort of uh, guidelines to live by. Also, though, that could change in a heartbeat, and everything we just said means dick now, and you need to figure out how to work around it. So there's a level of intelligence that you want to go into this with, obviously, and, and as in most things, the people who are sort of in, innately smarter are probably going to have a little bit of an edge. But the more this is just like anything else in the sense that the more prep work you do, the more of a, of a game plan that you have and, and more sort of like audibles almost that you have, right? Yeah. I mean, look, this is going to sound kind of stupid, but... Here's the best draft advice. Draft good players. <laughs> right? Like, no, it sounds fucking stupid. Yeah. But, like, if you do all your homework, right? It's, and I don't mean look at the dudes who are, like, on the practice squad. I don't even care about, like, number five wide receivers on a team. Like, yeah. you, you don't need to go crazy. But if you do your homework, you know who the good players are. It allows you to go ahead and, and, and go with the flow of the draft and try to, you know what I mean? Right. Just do what you need to do because the worst possible feeling and, and situation that anyone can find themselves in, in a fantasy football draft is, Oh crap. I had three dudes on the queue. I, they're all gone. And there's nine dudes that I'm picking between the prep work narrows that scope from, Oh crap. There's nine dudes I need to pick from to Well, there's two dudes that I know. I, I, and I can just look at less variables now to have to figure this out. It's just two guys. And it's, it's it, how, what position do I need more? Like you said, what, what position is most available, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And when you're evaluating those things, right, you're thinking if I draft, you know, this player, this route, what am I giving up right now? And what am I going to get two rounds from now that's going to replace the thing I gave up? Right. And you compare those relative values, right? right? You're trying to do that on the fly. But a good way to give yourself like a nice advantage in some of those situations as you navigate through a draft, when it comes time that you're starting to look at quarterback, take a look at the guys in the league. See who doesn't have a quarterback, mm -hmm. Right. And and if you're towards one of the turns, you're picking 10, 11, 12, or 1, 2, 3, and, and you're at you know, the 4-5 turn, the 3-4 turn, 5-6 turn, wherever you're targeting quarterback, if the guy's picking after you, right, already have their quarterbacks, they're probably not going to stack a second quarterback in the first six rounds, right, mm -hmm. six, seven rounds. So you can go ahead at the end of the fifth round, take your favorite position player that's on the board, right? Build more strength there. You're still getting your quarterback. Yep. But if you're not paying attention and you're just staring down the quarterback that you're in love with, you're just smashing that draft button and you're letting four draft picks go in front of you. Yeah. And that four times someone might pick the guy you really wanted there. Now, there, there, there's two caveats to what we your quarterback example, and it, it makes the perfect sense, right? Like, to spell it out, you have 
you don't have a quarterback. It's the fourth round. You have the third pick. You're like, oh, crap, I need to make sure I get a quarterback because the best one left is Justin Herbert, right? And and But it's like, hold on, because there's five dudes between you and your next pick or whatever, right? Or it, Maybe it's later in the fourth round, whatever, right? And the point is, is on the way back, nobody the, the those five dudes all have a quarterback or four of them do right or whatever so the, the the point is is like it's it's looking at that but let me let me back up a second go uh well first of all what's interesting is i'm going to bring this up a couple different times because it'll be relevant to a future episode on this podcast which is that i'm going to be doing a fantasy draft for the league that i'm i have a partnership with full-time fantasy it's been talked about and in that league the court more not even just how valuable a quarterback is because you get uh one point for every 20 yards as opposed to the the usual 25 yards that's more common um but also you have 10 bench spots so it yeah, is you were telling me about this the 10 it, bench it spots changes. is the most yeah because what you have yeah right so just to finish the point like the, the, that's the most interesting because if one of those five dudes that in, in our prior scenario in between you and your next pick which by the way they have two picks so let's say you're at a position where there's 10 picks between you and your next one all five of those people have a quarterback. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they take another tier two quarterback in the fifth round in a way to purposefully block you. And I understand that that's really risky in a lot of ways because of, of the amount of spots that you need to fill in a starting lineup. But is that not a like a more likely scenario? So I think it's more likely to happen in home leagues where there's like personal animus and vendettas. You know what I mean? I do. Like, I mean, uh, do we not recall the Julian Jones debacle? Because, I mean, really, this is the that's greatest just, thing. That's my favorite right fantasy off. football story of all time. Do you yeah, want to tell that real quick? Yeah, me too. Of course it is. It's the best. So basically, yeah. we were in an auction league together. I believe the year is like 2013. And, yeah. Right? And I'm 14, I think. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, someone nominates Jul. <laughs> This was talked about. This is the key part. Ari Rostowski. I'm going to name names. Ari Rostowski. This was pre-planned, premeditated that he was going to nominate Julian Jones, who I want to say was wide like receiver, a, wide receiver for the Falcons. Fifth wide so receiver really for the for the Atlanta Falcons. Julian Jones, spelled Bump. J-U-L-I-A-N. And someone nominated him for people to bet on him. Under the guise that someone would think it was Julio Jones. So the best part was it was nominated for a dollar. Like six people in the chat were like, don't do it. That's not Julio Jones. And, and then I want to say, I want to say that it was uh, the watching and then we we're like no and then tom came over the top for a dollar to 35 <laughs> we had to pause the draft and vote on whether or not to give him the option dollars back <laughs> and then we voted not to <laughs> we're gonna have to keep uh, that in post <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, I got it derailed immediately. I apologize. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of needing to know Ari Rosselski, <laughs> but not that much. Not so that much. Appreciate that somebody nominated Julian Jones 
<laughs> somebody was dumb enough to bet on him as though he was Julio Jones. So, like, this this is also why you, A, you pay attention to what's going on. Like, I, it's easy. It's easy during a snake draft to kind of, like, tune out a little bit, especially yeah. when you're one of the edges. But right. you got to pay attention, right? Yeah. And um, also draft good players. Julian Julian Jones, not a good player. God damn. I'll, I'll have to figure that one out later. But moving on with, with the finishing up draft strategies, because I know I'm going to take us off the rails continuously. Uh, but, man, is that a good story. I w- did want to sort of uh, quantify a little bit and, and maybe, like, uh, take a few of the points that you made and, and compartmentalize them so that they're a little bit more, like, bulleted. And, and what I'm talking about is, like, in those positions where you're like, okay, I I have like four or five dudes that I'm I'm targeting. I'm I'm. What are the things that you're locking in on to be able to make that decision? And I'll I'll just name a few that I believe they are, and you can tell me what whatever. One would one would be um, what are my positional needs, which will matter more after you get past like the first three rounds. Um, what is still on the board, uh, and in specifically in the positions like quarterback, where you start one in most leagues. What's available there comparatively to the positions that can fill flexes like running back and wide receiver, even tight end, if you're finding value, we can talk about that in a minute. Uh, And then what does everybody else already have who's in your way between you and your next pick? Those would be the top three that I could think of. Is there anything else? And and would you prioritize anything more highly? So as a general rule, if you're trying to like break a tie between two players you feel similarly about, right? Let's say they're even in the same tier. They're in the same bucket of players you're looking at. Take the guy with the higher ceiling. Like, you know what I mean? If they're in the same tier, if they're in the same bucket, as a general rule, right? Take the guy with the higher ceiling. You don't have to do this, in my opinion, you know, at the very top of the draft because you can't win on draft night, but you can lose on draft night. You know what I mean? I do. So at the top of the draft, I understand wanting to mitigate risk. But as you start building that roster, again, this is not jump for a guy. This is not reach two rounds because of the upside. This is choose upside. You know what I mean? Like when it's equal choice and you're flipping a coin in your head. Yeah. Don't let the safety be the thing that, that, you know, the floor shouldn't be the thing that breaks the tie. Yeah. Let the ceiling break the tie. Uh, Ceiling, you know, explosiveness. That's, that's how you win in fantasy yep. football. Yep. Like and, no one wants to finish fourth. So, okay. So that, that's a good sort of like fourth point to add. And I think that that does bring us to tiered quickly. What is, what does that mean? How is that beneficial? Just for like a brief overview for people. Sure. So when we're talking about going through your draft and evaluating your positional needs and evaluating value over replacement, uh, putting different players into different tiers rather than just simply ranking them, you know, one through a hundred. It helps you to make a decision about relative to your positional needs and relative to what is still available, right? Uh, Available on the draft board. It can help you differentiate between, you know, I really like this mm, bottom of tier two, you know what I mean, wide receiver. I like him a lot, but uh, I just drafted two wide receivers and there's only one tier two running back left. And maybe he's not my favorite guy to, to to root for, or you know, he's not that exciting. But if you're dropping a tier, that is different than simply being ranked two spots lower. Right. Right. Tyreek Hill is ranked two right. spots lower than Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. Yep. But he's in that same. Would it surprise anyone 
if he was the number one wide receiver? No. So he goes in that bucket. You're dropping guys in a bucket so that you can just pick a guy out of that bucket and not have to simply look at the ranking. Yep, it's it's automating it's automating the process for you because just to use a quick example within the NFL, if you look at the NFC, I think most people would agree there's the tier one of teams is the Eagles and the 49ers, right? Right. So yeah, to, precisely. So to just say that the Cowboys are the third best, most likely to be the third best team in the NFC, doesn't do it justice for just how much better the first two teams are than them. So like this is how I kind of like to look at it, right? It gives context to your one through 192 list. Yeah. Like it gives context to the ranking yeah. for exactly the reason that you are saying. Yeah. Um, the difference between the fourth and fifth best running back in your mind could be a huge drop off. Right. Right. So at that point, you look at what's coming around the board, what you're going to have left, all those things. And these things become way more important the deeper you get into the draft. Right. Right. At the top of the draft, the first two rounds, you should come away with two pretty good football players. Yeah. Like that shouldn't be that difficult to do. Yep. Right. But, but when you get into the sixth round, seventh round, eighth round, ninth round, and you have to start making sure that you have, you know, an actual full roster, you don't want to find yourself in the eighth, ninth round going, Oh man, did I really not draft a running back too? Like, huh, this is interesting. I really hope I have good wide receivers and I yeah. went anchor RB by accident. Right. But you look at the board and all the running backs you like left are gone. Yeah. And you took a wide receiver you didn't need two rounds ago. I mean, I got a couple other like easy sort of rules that are like very bullet point. Okay. Uh, chase opportunity, not talent. Right. Um, obviously, there are guys that are going to be special, special talents, but especially at the running back position, chase volume, just chase it. We're taking educated guesses. So the more information, the more predictable something is that gives it value, because now you can put your effort elsewhere in, in, in you know, putting uh, your best roster together. So if you know a guy is going to get three hundred and twenty five relatively inefficient touches that has a real value especially because those guys aren't sexy you can get them later in the draft right like yeah look i don't even know if rashad white is good but i know he's going to touch the ball a ton yeah, yeah. right so i'm not saying well, what point of the draft do you start considering that like rashad white to me is a guy and again depends on roster construction right obviously for you know but Depending on, I mean, Rashad White's someone I'm probably looking to get in like the sixth. If I get him in the sixth, I think that's good value for him. So, so what what point do you think is is that around the time in the draft that you would say you're going to have to start weighing if touches like. over? I guess touches and ceiling are pretty correlated, but what are you really like choosing over? You know, what what's the alternative? If you're saying okay, someone like Rashad White's going to get. You know, three hundred. Sure. All right. So I see what you're saying. So, like, yeah. all right. Let's say you what get to the six. So let's say you get to the sixth round. You have your starting. You have your RB one, right? And at this point, you have your RB one. Um, and what's left on the board is, let's say, I don't know, the fifth round. You're looking at guys like Javonta Williams, right? Something like that, yeah. right? And I like, I like him a lot, but we don't really know. Samaj Pirine is there. Sean Payne seems to maybe have gone insane, 
Maybe it always was, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they're cursed. Maybe it's the altitude. Maybe they're great, yeah. right? But I don't know how many touches Javante Williams is going to get, and like he's coming off a pretty big injury, right? Yeah. So if you feel real solid, like you have a ton of upside already built into those first five picks, right? And all you really need is an RB two who's not going to fucking goose you on a weekly basis. You know what? I don't need anything special. Can he score thirteen and a half points a week for me? That's all I need out of this yeah. position. Right. Like I'm trying to you know build a roster to score 140 points a week. Right. Does this get me there? Okay. Right. And, and so do you, do you actually quantify the, the the output that you should be receiving from each position or yeah. look at it as a total number and then ensure that you're getting to that number? Yeah, basically. And it's not just like this is what I think they're going to average. Like I use a range, right? So let's say I think, you know, argument's sake, Patrick Mahomes will average 25 points a game, right? I'm going to do the calculation at like 22 and a half and then at 27 and a half. Right. And see, and sort of, you know, just for a little variability and sort of get an idea of the floor and ceiling. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going into the draft with, I need 30 points here, 10 points here. I'm going into the draft with, I need 135 points. Here's where I'm at as I'm going through the draft. How right. do I get there by the end of this draft? Interesting. Yeah. Right. Because you got to get to the playoffs. So you need to have some floor. You can't yeah. just draft boom or bust. But you have to have in your mind, what do I need? What do I realistically need every week to be getting wins? Right? Yeah. Because if you're like, great, I can score 180 points in a week, but you know, mostly I'm scoring 110. Well, all right. you. I hope you get lucky. You're not going to make yeah. the playoffs. You yep. need volatility, but you have to have some floor in there as well. So yep. look at your roster. If you did a good job injecting a bunch of volatility early, get a couple guys to maintain your floor for you, and vice versa. Vice versa. And and look and look at look at the schedule because it is it is a, well, a, a head to head week by week scenario. Yeah, I mentioned before that you can lose your league in the first four or five weeks of the year. So something you can do for yourself um, as a strategy is sort of mitigate those early season struggles we've all had if we've played enough fantasy football. Yeah. Right. Like you were saying, so go through and look at blocks in like the first, you know, four or five weeks of the year. See if some people have just like brutal schedules. So I'll give you an example of someone who I think has a brutal stretch and already like not looking like roses. Right. Arizona's first five games at Washington versus Giants versus Cowboys at Niners versus Cincy. That's, That's the crazy. first five games. And, like, look, I like James Conner's volume. I think that uh, Hollywood is going to get a ton of targets because they're going to be down a million points. But, like, those first five weeks are going to be gnarly. Yeah. So, like, in my mind, after week four, that's when you trade for them. Mm. That's when you go and look for them. You're like, okay, I got to get them before week five because after week five – then it gets a little bit easier and people will see what you're trying to do, right? So, like, week four, have that in your mind. And also maybe don't draft them if you have other guys with equally shitty early season runs. Now, you get someone in Arizona and you pair that with, I don't know, someone for the Chargers who gets Miami, Tennessee, Minnesota, and Las Vegas to start the year, beautiful, right? Beautiful defenses to take on. Right. QB tiers. So tier one is uh, it's Josh Allen, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Jalen Hurts. 
Wow. That's that's tier one. Okay. Right? Those are the only guys that you're even considering. Like in in the in the second and third round mm-hmm. to me. Like that's it. Those are the only guys you're even thinking about. And sorry, Daniel I, Jones. I yeah, sorry, Daniel Jones. Uh, um <laughs> I personally don't like drafting quarterbacks in the second round. If you are at the two three turn, right? Like if you're literally at eleven or twelve, I don't really care. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm not drafting a quarterback in the second round. Yeah. In fact, you could argue that the, the there's an intelligent strategy to drafting a quarterback at the end of the second round. If you're the 11th or 12th pick and you're like, yo, there's five good positional players outside of QB left that I all have on the same tier. Let right. me grab Patty Mahomes now because I don't sure. care which one of the other five they take sure. with the next four picks, right? Sure, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And you haven't gone so deep into the draft yet that you're that you're tied to some like roster construction based yeah. decision. Yeah. You can build a roster a million different ways. Yeah. And if you stay fluid, you can go, you know, I wasn't planning to go zero RB, but here we are. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, let's do it. Right. Yeah. In this year's draft, there's like eight quarterbacks I'm actually comfortable with. Like two more that I can talk myself into, and then a whole bunch of them were just like, all right, I'm just going to play two or three of you based on matchups for a year because yeah. none of you are really that great, right? Yeah. But the quality of a wide receiver or running back, right, that you're giving up in the second or third round, basically what you're doing when you take a quarterback that high, you are drafting them at their ceiling. Mm. You are paying, assuming their ceiling outcome. Mm. You can't make a profit buying at the ceiling like there's no value to be had there to me right not that early unless you're in a league where the roster construction dictates that the quarterback is disproportionately important so which which round which which round are you drafting each each of those three guys at do you have a number um i mean if they i'm happy drafting any of them if i can get them like pick three three or later okay i would gladly draft any of them at okay. three three or later but also i feel like the way i've been seeing drafts break down right around there there's like a couple of guys i still really like but having someone you know is going to just be a stud at the highest scoring position right and you can just lock it up it also sometimes means you don't have to carry as many quarterbacks throughout the year. Mm-hmm. It just gives you more roster flexibility as the year goes on. You get into bye weeks. I had to do it last year. I was carrying three quarterbacks the whole year. I was carrying Geno, uh, Goff, and Cousins for... Matchup purposes. Yeah, and I was just playing them on matchups for, I don't know, the last 12 weeks of the year. That's And yeah. it worked. I It worked because most of the time I chose, you know, the right matchup. Yeah. But... It's a stressful. It's a stressful thing because nothing, nothing hurts a fantasy football owner like points on their bench. So yeah, for that's, sure. that's the, oh, yeah. the that's the. It's not just the you know. It, it, hopefully, it's it like works. a poker and, bench. And, and, yes, exactly. And it, it, it's you, yeah, had, yeah. you had a couple of guys, especially in Geno, who way outperformed their projections. So like you and hit listen, in that. Sense, I didn't draft right? Geno. You know, I picked him off off the waivers like everyone else. I'm yeah. a Jets fan. So, like, I don't really know how to feel about Geno leading right. the league in completion percentage while, last yeah. year. Yep. But just in case sense. everyone – I want to make sure everyone heard that. Geno Smith led the league 
in completion percentage last year, it wasn't particularly close between him and second place either. Yeah, yeah that was that was a it wild. Was so, is, who's in tier two? How many are there? So, tier two is another four quarterbacks. Okay, those four are Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Tier three is just Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is my only quarterback in tier three. Love him. Tier four is Tua and Deshaun Watson. Wow. So that's tier four. I'm gonna throw I'm actually gonna throw Aaron Rodgers into tier Ooh. into tier four as well with Tua and Watson. Where you can talk me into they finish in the top six. Right? Not I expect that outcome. But I could look, Deshaun Watson remembers how to play football, and Deshaun Watson finishes number five. I don't like Tua. Like, I don't like watching him play football, and I don't like his stupid face. But, but, man, it's tough to just, like, ignore six touchdowns in a game. And it's so interesting because let's say, I mean, if Tua was healthy and if his his injury history was that of Patrick Mahomes, then then he's tier one. Oh, no. No, I would still have Tua. And if Tua was zero health concerns, where would I have him ranked? If you extrapolate what he did in the games he played out, you there's no way he's not tier one. Yeah, I'm also not assuming they're going to be as efficient as they were. But why? Because within games, he does it for a whole game. Because teams learn. Because the NFL adapts. Yeah. They don't, they don't adapt to Pat Mahomes. He was made in a lab. He was... Yeah, like literally, but like whoever made him was definitely smoking meth. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. Totally. Like, well, he it, he doesn't make sense. Lay off the meth, God. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look, Tua is a good. He's a, I, I don't like saying it, but like he's a good quarterback, he and he throws the ball well, and he throws a nice ball. But he can't improvise, and he can't beat a defense the number of ways that those first three guys okay. beat a defense. So, like, look, Patrick Mahomes throws the ball better than anyone, and those other two guys, meaning Hurts and Allen, both have rushing rushing, uh, rushing floors that really elevate their floor. Where, where, right? where do, you, do you have a projection on Josh Allen's rushing yards? Because this is really dependent on if, if he, how much higher or if he's higher than, you know, both of them in, in, in someone's mind anyway. Can he get to 600? I think there's a reasonable chance he gets to 600, sure. Would you put him at over, under... Because uh, the yards don't matter as the goal line back. He's he's really right. Like that's getting him a half a yard. So my right. next, like, my he next question really is: He might only rush for four hundred and fifty yards. But I, do you see a world where he doesn't rush for four hundred and fifty yards? I don't. Uh, the thing is, is and and this is what I'm waffling between, which is the the news that comes out of Buffalo since. There were articles in January of last year that were like, "Bills want Josh Allen to run less and like take care of himself more." Yeah. No. Totally. So they that's totally where wanted. Here comes in. Nah, dude, he's big but you country can't stop stupid. Him. Yeah, you... He's not gonna listen. Yeah. Like, look, yeah. he is just he is but all right. Did he listen last year? No, exactly. That's and that's what I waffle between is like but he's also work. just he's the one on it's like telling someone to go on stage and not say something with the mic in their hand. And it's like, God bless, they have the mic, they could say whatever the hell they want now, right? So in... over under five and a half touch rushing touchdowns for, for Josh Allen. That's a good line. Yeah. Um, I didn't even get it off Vegas. I, that was my line. I bet it's about that though. No, I think I think that's a good line. Yeah. I um, I think they're going to be in more close games. I I think I'm going to say over. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. If, I if, think if that's he's over, line, then he's, he's the number one quarterback in my eyes just to like do I mean, what we're not supposed to. I mean, like you said, it's <laughs> not that you're not supposed to evaluate guys and prioritize them within tiers. Sure. It's just the point of the tiers is get there. And then when you're there, now you're just like, oh, do I want Tyreek Hill or do I want, you know, uh, Jamar Chase or whatever? And it's like, I don't know. You can well, kind of like do it however you want if you feel that right. way, you know? So look, Josh Allen is the uh, like that's the smart money to finish one. Yeah, he kind of keeps doing it all the time. So right. you know, I look, um, Mahomes is amazing. I if I'm ranking it, like I have Hurts one. Okay, because of the rushing. So well, so it's not just rushing, right? So it's rushing, it's hyper ridiculous elite weapons, and like all over the field. Just absurd amount of talent there, and it's not. Right? It's not fair that that amount of talent with Jalen Hurts also has the best offensive line in football. That's not fair. So I was literally just going to say, and literally the best offensive line. That's unfair, right? Yeah. Now, this is the other thing. On a per game basis, Hurts was. I mean, Allen, Mahomes, and you know what I mean. And Hurts on a per game basis, you're very happy with all of them. They're scoring very comfortably, but. If you look at what happened last year with the Eagles, right? And um, you know, any Giants fan would probably appreciate this. They didn't they didn't, they didn't fucking play anybody. Like they the games weren't even close. Yeah. So I saw a crazy stat where it was like Devonta Smith, right? If you just statted out his first half of games and then extrapolated his first half of games to being and just that was the whole did. game. Yeah. He wouldn't finished wide receiver four last year. Mm. They didn't play any games. So when I talk about volume, well, when you're literally yeah. running the ball and chewing clock for the last 22 minutes of the game, okay, well, like, they Jalen Hurts would score, like, 27 points in the first three quarters and not any more points. So running back, I'm calling it 1A, is CMC and Eckler. That's 1A. 1B, Bijan, Chubb, and Saquon. And I'm calling that 1B and not 2. How are you getting around this? So, this is a year where you could talk me into any of those five guys reasonably finish RB1. But but for the purpose of people understanding, like, does that mean that there's there's two guys and then there's three guys? What I'm saying is... For me, for me, I would put CMC and Eckler in tier one, right? And then I would put Bijan Chubb and Saquon in tier two if I'm like, if I'm trying to grade them out for someone else. For me, they're really all the same to me. Like, I view them all very, very similarly. Um, And I I mean, personally, I think I'm higher on Bijan and Chubb than most people are. Okay. Really, like if I really had to choose, I'm I'm probably going Chubber Bijan over Eckler this year. Wow. And that's not to say yeah. anything bad about Eckler. I just think they're gonna be monsters. What do you have? A hundred and like seven receptions? Yeah, and like hundred and thirty-two targets. Insane. But no, I'm just I just said that to bring it up. I'm not even there to argue. I, just, I gotta you know, I gotta bring it up as a, as, you know, as you know. yeah, no, no. But I'll listen. Let, let, let me ask you something. I'm totally yeah. okay yeah. with all of that. I think part of what you're saying in, in, in summation is there's so much variance between all five of those guys that they yeah. basically have the same ceiling, and because of certain factors that you can't necessarily predict, could also have around the same floors. 
right? And so with that in mind, yes. that's fine. But like you said, if you want to simplify it for people listening, you believe that there's two guys that it's like, oh, man, like this is the this is how you rank them. It's it's almost like okay, I'm going in, I'm filling out my NCAA bracket, and man, how, am I really gonna bet against the number one overall seed? And you're like, yeah, my gut is telling me that that number one overall seed is gonna lose, so I'm gonna take the fourth overall or whatever, right? Like, and you just go with it, even so, though you're like, it pains look- me to do that, you know. And this is also what I was talking about, like where at the top of the draft, mitigating risk is extremely understandable, yeah. right? So at the very top of the draft, if you want to tell me you think Eckler is the, is a safer running back than McCaffrey, because yeah. McCaffrey has one healthy year in the last three. Yep. Okay. Eckler, I worry about some touchdown regression, right? Sure. Like I do. I, it's it's not well, easy to just keep touchdowns. scoring 20 touchdowns. Yeah. Listen, I thought so last year. He did it again. Maybe he's just really good at scoring touchdowns now. It's not impossible. But more importantly, more importantly, they drafted a first-round wide receiver. Jalen Guy is still there. Like, they can't be as injured as they were last year just because there's more bodies now, right? He's look. If Eckler only, only gets 95 targets, right? only gets 95 targets. That's a huge number for a running back, right? Only gets 95. That's that's like a 35% reduction in, in all his passing stats, right? Okay, that's also about the equivalent of 100 less carries, if you want to think about it like that. That's 35 less yeah. targets. I feel right. you, but I, I don't. I don't think we need to split hairs that much about that because, sure. I, I, like you know, at the end of the day, like you said, like you're gonna be pretty happy with any of those five. So let's put yeah. let's put them there yes. and leave it there. Let's go to tier three <laughs> and move past that uh, and move, move move into tier three that or that, as we're calling sure. it because I've forced you to call the next three guys tier two. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna call it uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, I'm gonna call it Pollard and Mixon. Okay. Interesting that Pollard's yeah. down there. Um, Again, I love volume, and I like Tony Pollard a lot. I had him last year. He was great. I'm going to have him again this year yeah. anywhere I can get him. Um, But I don't – I mean, I don't know about you. I'm not expecting him to have 325 carries. No. no. He can't. No, he can't. Right? He, still needs to, he can't. He still needs to be used as a pass catcher as well. So. Yeah, and I think looking at Alvin Kamara is instructive in this uh, regard. So we all screamed like for Kamara to just, would you give him the ball more for years? And then they did, and then the efficiency went down. Right. Tony Pollard has been crazy efficient all the way going back to college. Right. He's great. He's explosive. But they have a lot of mouths to feed a wide receiver in that offense. Yeah. Um, Dak's going to have to stop throwing interceptions. I don't entirely trust Mike McCarthy not to screw everything up. And and he's like he's capped at 250 carries at the most. Can, so like can I, can I tell you that Mike McCarthy is more likely to screw it up than not screw it up? Can I phrase it that way? I mean, if I could phrase it with it's almost it's close to death and taxes that it'll screw it <laughs> yeah, up. Exactly. Like, and all we've yeah, heard no. all we've heard since you know, all off season, <laughs> Kel Moore's gone and it's like Mike McCarthy's telling us that Cowboys fans should feel good that he's going to be more involved in the offense. And I'm like, I thought you were trying to comfort them. What are you doing? Yeah, you're right? gonna cause pandemonium. 
Um, and the fact but, that he's gone makes me like the Chargers more now yeah. that Dylan Moore's over there. Right. I think that's going to be helpful for what, them. What what an interesting. Yeah, don't never underestimate that. So uh, th- there's a couple guys I want to ask you about, but um, yeah, that's very interesting. I, I t- so you that's a pretty solid tier three. Yeah, give me tier four and five. Just name them, and then I just want you to name wide receiver tiers, and then I have, I have a question. Okay, sure. So tier three: Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, Aaron Jones. Okay. I have Najee Harris there, and I also have Jameer Gibbs here. Love that. No, I'm not going to let you talk about Jameer yeah. Gibbs right now, but I love that so much. Tier four. Okay. Tier four, I have Brees Hall, Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, James Conner, and Cam Akers. But with a caveat on Conner that you need to be able to weather the fact that the first four or five weeks are going to be dog shit. And you might not even want to start him in some of those games. Because he's not going to, they're not going to sniff inside the 20. So, correct. However, in a full PPR league, there is a chance he gets enough short, shitty targets because they're just terrible. Kind of like, think of Najee Harris rookie year in Pittsburgh, where Ben just kept throwing the ball like short, 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 and Najee caught a million passes. Yeah, totally. James Conner could have something like that go his way where he just gets a volume of one-yard catches. Yeah. It's not pretty, and, like, you're not happy with it, yeah. but he just scored 19 points. So you, you're I'm like, right right now, I, I don't give a shit how he gets me 19 points. Right. He can, you know, roll over and do cartwheels into the end zone every time, and I'm, like, ecstatic. That's great. You got me some points. Um, that's a really, really interesting Tier 4, and unfortunately I can't let us continue to talk about it. Do you want to drop a Tier 5 in there, and then we go to wide receivers? Uh, sure. That's a yeah, really, I, no I, I love Cam Akers. I think he could find himself ending in a much higher position than that. But once again, it's tier four and it's like, you know, these are guys that you're taking RB two and, and you're, you're really probably now getting to the end of RB two list, right? When you, as you get into tier five. Uh, as you get into tier five, there are still guys here that I think are like a solid RB two. Okay. But there's a path for all of them to like just bust on you, right? So right. And there, and why... none of these guys in tier five are gonna have a, an RB one ceiling, and I could... no, some of these guys do okay. actually right, have RB one ceiling off. based on the value. All right, so um, the guys who might be able to finish as an RB one, Damian Pierce, like if they use him as a bell cow back, like we've seen him play mm-hmm. football. He's really really good at football, yeah. and it's not fun tackling that dude. He's like a bowling ball. Yeah. So I don't think I, they're going to score enough, but yeah, okay. that's Damian Pierce. Uh, I think that you could see uh, James Cook in Buffalo yep. if they actually give him the workload. Javante, if he's healthy, I could see it. Ron like Lewis, the draft Williams. capital there. Yep. Uh, um, that's who I see in this list. The yeah, rest of the it. guys are ETN, Dobbins, Kenneth Walker. Wow. Um, wow. No love for ETN. Oh no! Oh, I'm super low on ETN. Please, please continue. Um, like, would you like me to tell you why I don't really like ETN? Yeah. Oh, um. So, one, he caught a lot of balls in college, but he doesn't like catching the football. He's he's on record saying it makes him nervous. That makes me nervous, right? Then also, just who's the head coach? You ever seen him give a single running back the ball enough for you to really give a shit? Yeah. Or have you seen him give someone talented the ball just enough to make you waste high draft capital? Well, why is Nick Sirianni doing that now? <laughs> why is he continuing the trade? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're talking about Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, and he used to do no, that in Philly. Cheap. Yeah. 
It is because look, he has five guys. He has five running backs. They are paying all their running backs. Roughly the same that Carolina is paying just Miles Sanders right now. <laughs> yeah. That's why. They have a lot of really good players. Yeah. You know how you afford a lot of really good players? Don't pay any running backs. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so that's why he's doing okay. it. Okay, all right. Um, uh, J.K. Dobbins on this list. Rashad White's on this list. That's tier six, basically, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, these guys are down there. Yeah. Kamara's down there. Wow, yeah. You know, because of the four games. Uh, I think it's three. Is it three? Okay. It's three, but they also gave Jerome Williams some money. And if Kendra right. Miller stays on the field, like you don't draft a running back who's already hurt in the third unless you're pretty in love with this tape. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I assume they're going to give the ball sometimes. I got you. Run through wide receivers, and then I'm going to rapid-fire question you. You got it. Uh, tier one, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup. All right. Uh, tier two. This is a big tier to me. This is how, a big tier. How many tier. guys are on this list? There's seven guys in tier two at wide receiver okay. for me. All right. That's big. All right. Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Devontae Adams, Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Wow. I love that list so much. No, no, listen. I, I will tell you when I'm mock drafting, right? There are drafts where I'm drafting Garrett Wilson ahead of C.D. Lamb or De- Devontae Adams. Like, I actually think that th- th- that second tier, these are all hyper-elite guys. Yeah. There's no way you're going to tell me any one of them totally. is that much more likely than the other to finish five versus finish you 10 or You 11. don't think there's a situational aspect to any of them that might def- separate them? Like, I'm really thinking of Devontae Adams as a great example. Where there's like a clear, so, there's a clear change, right, in environment that could impact. Devontae Adams, Devonte Adams is the bottom of that tier to me, okay. right? I also thought the downgrade from Rogers to Carr, like <laughs> everyone. I was else. just thinking that, but here's the thing: Carr play, Carr played much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Exactly. Carr played is the other thing too. I, I I've been in San Francisco for long enough to know why well, I, I live yeah, in Oakland, yeah, but you get my point. Oh, Jimmy G doesn't play more than nine to ten games max. No, uh, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. That's that's fair. Yeah. Devontae Adams, even right now today. Yeah. At 31, he might be the actual best wide receiver in the NFL still, right? So what's easy to do? Throw to guys who are open. What does he do? He gets open, right? Yep, 100%. Jimmy Garoppolo, I I honestly, like, deeply dislike that he's a thing that I have to even talk about when I'm talking about football. I I really don't like Jimmy Garoppolo. It's painful watching him bounce passes sometimes. Understood. Devontae is still going to get 175 targets. Even if there are 175 miserable targets in a PPR league, he is going to catch enough balls, and he's the only one they'll throw to in the red, in the red zone. zone. Yeah, fourteen t- targets like, last year. So, so he's in. So you you made a solid case for him being in, t- in your tier two. Let me ask you a quick question. What like three word answers? Where's the first guy drafted on that list of tier two guys, and where's the last one drafted? Okay, so Devontae Adams is the last one drafted. And Stefan Diggs is the first one Agreed. drafted. Agreed. Yeah. And then and then yep. which round do you think Stefan's like where do you think Stefan's going? Where do you think Devontae's going? 
I think Devontae will be firmly into the second round, so he'll okay. be a pick. We're talking 12-team league. Right. Like, anywhere from, like, 13 to 17 is where I would expect okay. him to wind up. Okay, so, I mean, um, you're, 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 you're firmly putting all of those guys in the side the, the second round. I, I yeah, yeah, I mean look, some of them will likely in home leagues fall out of the second round. Sure. Right? But but it's but it's fair to say like if you want right, it's fair to say that if you want one of those guys and you want to make sure you get one of those guys, if there's only one left as you're picking at the end of the second round, that's a situation that you might need to consider, because, right? Like, yeah, like the only two guys I ever kind of see fall, like towards the end of the second round are Olave and Wilson, mm -hmm. and it's not... It's usually just Olave, and then you're into the next tier pretty quickly. I'm going to rapid-fire you, meaning that I'm going to just cut you off if you go too long. Ready? Perfect. Go. Where do you now put Marvin Mims and Cortland Sutton with the uh, news that Jerry Judy went down and was carted off? Sure, yeah. Um, I don't really want anything to do with Mims. If you want to take like a super late round flyer, like your last pick of the draft kind of flyer, fine. Here's the thing. I it's not that I don't even think he's good at football, but I don't know what is going on over there. I have no idea. Right? I do like Cortland Sutton. I do like Cortland Sutton. I liked him before the Judy injury. So I'm okay with drafting Sutton in like the eighth round if you want to now. I'm higher on him than most people, I think. No, that's fine. I mean, he's shown it to us. I was looking at his stats, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah. He had like 1,200 right. yards receiving. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, and he's much less fat right now than he's been. Yeah. So that's helpful. That's always a good thing. Yeah. Speaking of fat and someone who's not fat, Ezekiel Elliott, he's not fat. We know because uh... he wears a belly shirt. We know because he wears a belly shirt. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Zeke. How much does he eat into Ramondre Stevenson? Does Ramondre Stevenson, uh, you know, does it drop, obviously, his stock because of that? Yeah, so uh, it does drop his stock some because they brought him in primarily because Zeke is really good inside the five-yard runner. Yeah. His conversion rate's really high. Yeah. Ramondre Stevenson's was the second lowest, I think, in the league uh, of all qualified runners. Kenneth Walker was the worst. That math, right? right? So in the PPR league, he's going to retain his pass catching value, right? Um, they're going to bring Zeke in for the times when they need to pass block, but you weren't getting points from Ramondre on those reps anyway. Right. So they're just keeping him healthy. So that's fine. But he is going to lose touchdown opportunities. Yep. And I don't think that team's going to score a lot of points. So to me, that drops him from like the second to like earliest. I really want to look at him as middle to late third. Where's Russell Wilson in the QB tiers? Because I didn't let you answer that. Oh, he was in my who gives a shit tier. All right, wonderful. So just no belief in him, and Champagne is not going to turn him around necessarily. <laughs> who knows if he's even senile, like you said at this point. He's old coach. I mean, look, uh, here's the other thing. Especially now that Russell Wilson doesn't have anyone to fucking throw to. Yeah. What the fuck do I want with Russell Wilson? That's tough. That's really tough. Uh, I mean, if you want a best ball, stack him with Cortland Sutton, fine. But that's about it. <laughs> CD Lamb, how does he compare to those big dogs? Like, how close is he to that tier one? Oh, he's not he's far not behind Diggs three. and AJ Brown, right? No, he's not far behind those guys, but he is—he's a pretty wide gap behind those other four in tier one for okay. me. Okay. Um, I like CD Lamb. I like the talent. They have a lot of mouths to feed, 
They have a lot of mouths to feed. They're going to run a slower offense. They're going to run fewer plays this year. Well, yeah. I mean, it is going to be hard to convince me otherwise. And also, Dak has to stop throwing to the other team. And play. That would all... Listen, Cooper Rush did okay-ish, but they just have a lot of guys to throw to. I knew, and... I knew with every ounce of my being that, that Cooper no. Rush was going to beat the New York Giants last year. I knew that. To my core, I knew that. Uh yeah, 17 yeah. games of his uh, now 49 games that he's played, 17 games Dak was out. Um, in the 17 games Dak was out, he dropped down to 55 yards a game, down from 78 yards per game. He dropped down to a touchdown every three games from a touchdown every two games, right? he's We're talking like five, six receptions a game with Dak, four and a half-ish without him. So, like... It makes a difference. He's also playing three pretty good defenses yep. in the in the division he's in. So I mean, they don't have a cake schedule this year. Two, two good defense and a gimmicky defensive line and and Wink Martindale. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't shit on Wink. He gets it done, he does. man. He gets it. It doesn't done. make any sense that the Giants were any good. I'm not even sure they were good. They weren't. But they won. They were not. You know who's good? Brian Dayball, our savior. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a good coach. Who, who do I draft on the Ravens besides Lamar? Oh, definitely draft Mark Andrews. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, but, but besides the, you know the top three tight end, yeah. Okay, so uh, I like Zay Flowers actually Same. there. Um, Shifty. So when you're talking about rookie wide receivers, make sure you can weather the fact that it might take them two, three, four weeks to get involved in the offense. Right. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case with Zay Flowers because. I don't think OBJ has it, and okay. I don't think Rashad Bateman like has feet or a leg or whatever the hell is going on over there. Yeah. So they're not real deep, but that's a team that's going to run a ton more plays than you're used to seeing. So like when a coordinator changes teams, it might mean nothing, or it might mean like it might mean Todd Munkin is replacing Greg Roman, and you're going to see not just more passing plays, but a faster pace of play. Right. Like, I like Lamar Jackson a lot just on the basis of he's going to get to run a lot more plays. Yeah, with a lot more smaller guys on the field to try to tackle him. Zay Flowers is also a really oh, explosive player. Explosive. I love him. Like, he's super explosive. Yep. You're going to get some real, real spike games from him. Yep, agreed. Which Chargers wide receiver do I want? Keenan Allen at the right price. In PPR. And then once he gets hurt in week four, which wide receiver do I want? Uh, Austin Eckler. <laughs> Antonio Gates. Um, because Mike Williams Mike would be Williams the answer. Is, oh, it, it would, Mike Williams listen, is the easy answer, except for is he going to play? But the thing is, when he plays, you know, like you just, you can't count on him. He has to be your wide receiver three or four. And if you draft him, you have to go a little heavier wide receiver than you wanted to. And what you're doing is you're going, I'll get the spike weeks from him when he plays, and I'm going to pray he's just healthy for 15, 16, 17. Just to be clear, though, like on, on some of this, some of these strategies where it's like, yo, put this guy on the cooler until then or have this guy for week six and on or any of that type of stuff, 
you have to be very good at drafting the other positions to weather that type of storm if you have a normal amount of bench spots. So, like, you can only get this. Like, I just want to be clear. Like, some of this stuff is, like, we've talked about, like, super novice level stuff. And then once you get into, like, even second or third level kind of, like, analysis of, like, well, I'm going to get this guy based on the schedule, you have to be also doing the analysis of, well, who's what's my, the rest of my team look like and what's the schedule of my the rest of my – if you want to get that deep with it, though, I'm just saying you can't just be like, oh, like, okay, I'm going to stack this guy and then not – get the amount of points I need from my flex or my, right. my RB2 or whatever. Right, right, right. And so an easy way to do that, though, to mitigate some of that, you have to be able to, like, in real time, evaluate your team exactly. and go, okay, like, realistically, how many of these guys are going to get off to slow starts, yeah. right? And can I weather that with these other guys that hopefully won't get off to slow starts? So if you draft two or three guys on that, they have a really brutal early season schedule, maybe don't reach for that rookie wide receiver you really like because you might not get shit right, from for the first well. three or four weeks. Right. Maybe you have to go and draft yep. someone you know can give you 10, 12 points Ros- those weeks. Ro- the name of the game is roster construction. Do I want Daniel Jones yeah. as my QB or do I and, – and if the answer is even a little bit yes based on when, do I want him or Anthony Richardson? Oh, okay. So that's a very fair question. And I would say like, yeah, I don't really hate players. I hate ADPs. That's not my thing. Like I'm, you know, it's the, it's no phrase. Yeah. Like if I can get Daniel Jones as my QB one in like the 12th round. Yeah, sure. Fine. Cause I've stacked so much other shit on this team with my math. I'm doing, I don't need 18 points from the quarterback. Right. I don't think he's going to run for 700 yards again. I don't think he's that guy, but I think he'll run for 450, 500. I, I think he will. I think he will continue to run for – I mean, I think Brian Dable is like – I think he'll die if he keeps doing it. And I think it. Brian Dable goes, what's the worst that happened? Daniel Jones is not my quarterback anymore. I think that's what he's weighing it against. <laughs> <laughs> I love that take. Table is just like, yeah, I don't care if he fucking dies. Keep running. My man is playing chess, dude. We're talking Belichick level shit from Dable. I love him. Yeah, the problem is he makes $45 million a year. So if you have $45 million a year on your bench, that's an issue. Big issue. But he, that's not, Daniel that's Jones was not issue. his freaking drafts. All right. That was ghetto bitch. But anyway, I'm getting, so I'm getting vulnerable. I will take, I will take Daniel Jones over, over Anthony Richards. What do you think of my bet at plus 2,400? At 100 bucks to make 2400 bucks, Anthony Richardson to lead the league in interceptions. Wait, hold on. You only bet 100, you'll make 2400? Right. I think that's a fantastic bet. Like, I mean, look, here's the thing interceptions is one of the least sticky stats there is. Yeah. Understood. Oh, and he has one ride receiver. His running back doesn't like the team he's on. And his backup running I mean, back, hey. his backup running back might not play week one. They threw the ball the seventh most last year. I understand he's going to not- easily get 800 rushing yards, but we're talking about a man who played in an offense at Florida oh, where he was supposed to play. run a he ton. He could easily get 1,200 rushing yards. Yeah, yeah easy. And he that's, that's 1,200 rushing But he could still throw 17 interceptions, right? 
He could throw 30 interceptions. <laughs> all right. So we're on the same page. I know that you don't necessarily do all the uh, the waiver wire stuff, but like I know that you'll have thoughts that are valuable during certain weeks of fantasy that would be great to get you just saying some things about maybe who some people should pick up and things like that. And we'll just do it like a quick like 20 minute or I'll just force you to say names and then we'll move forward and go from there. Sure. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, man.